All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really do appreciate it. Sorry, I've got a bunch of windows that are open right now. Uh, Let's get those muted here. Uh, Thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. Always great to be able to chat with everybody. Uh, apologize for the spotty Wi-Fi connection, of course. That can't really be helped, but that's okay. We will uh, get this all figured out. Uh, obviously, moving into a new apartment. Tried doing some different stuff today. Didn't work. Uh, we will have to troubleshoot that when we can. Hope everybody is doing well, though. And I am excited to chat about Aaron Gordon, who deserves more discussion than what he generally gets. Uh, I do think that he's one of those unsung heroes for sure. Absolutely deserves it. Uh, Cedric, what's going on, my guy? Uh, appreciate you hopping in. I see the the messages there too. Uh, we will have to we'll have to chat. We'll have to chat at some point. I would love to meet you as well. Uh, we'll be able to talk after the pod for sure. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's now get into this. Really appreciate everybody for stopping by, and let's chat about well, let's chat about Aaron Gordon because he deserves a ton of credit for his role within the Denver Nuggets, his role and what he did for the Nuggets this year. And I'm really impressed, obviously. And how could you not be impressed with Aaron Gordon? and what he has accomplished for the Nuggets over the course of his time here. When the Nuggets brought him in, I don't know if they really expected what they ended up getting. I think they hoped. I think they thought, okay, here's a player that, based off of the current core that we have, fits what the expectations are for the team. And I know that I thought about it. And whenever Denver let go, or not let go, when Jeremy Grant walked away, from the Nuggets, I expected Aaron Gordon to be at the top of the list of the players that they would try to retain. And the reason being, and and actually Zach Lowe shared the same sentiment with me, is that he's a 3.5. And what that means is somebody who's a forward, who has some of the characteristics of a three, some of the characteristics of a four, a small forward and power forward. And it was nice to see somebody like uh, it was nice to see somebody like Zach Lowe uh, share that same sentiment because I thought of it very similarly. Where Michael Porter, he's six foot ten, but he plays like a three on the offensive side of the floor, but might be better suited for the four. And so Denver, knowing that Jokic and Murray were what they needed uh, at the one and the five, they knew they needed to bolster their roster with players in that starting lineup that fit really well. Michael Porter was a good start, even though he wasn't the perfect defensive option because of the offensive threat that he has. Aaron Gordon then made a lot of sense because on top of being a great fit with Nikola Jokic, with Jamal Murray, he was also a great fit with Michael Porter Jr. And you started to see, especially when they traded for Gordon back in 2021, you started to see exactly what it looked like from a vision perspective. Okay, here's a guy who is going to have a lot of easier opportunities to operate around the the 
paint area. The shots that he's going to get are the easiest of his career. And that was great for eight games. And then Murray got hurt. And then Porter got hurt. And then last year, 2021-22, didn't really get to see the best version of Aaron Gordon. But that's because his perfect journey to becoming a role player hadn't really started yet. Denver had thought like they they saw the vision there, but they needed the buy-in from Port or from Gordon. They needed the presence of Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. to really have that start taking effect. And you absolutely started to see it throughout this last season and then into the playoffs, especially. Uh, I want to pull up some numbers as I did previously with uh, with other guys. Here are Aaron Gordon's numbers. His numbers for this season, during the regular season, and then also in the playoffs. If you look closely here, Aaron Gordon's numbers look a lot better in the regular season than they do the playoffs from a volume perspective. Um, I'm sorry, the top graph, the stats per 100 possessions, all the ones that are uh, like the 20.5, the 10.1, the 4.1. Those should all be in green. Uh, So the volume absolutely went down during the playoffs this last year. But if you look at the efficiency and look at just how effective Aaron Gordon's efficiency has been while operating within this role for Denver, it's out of this world. It's absolutely unbelievable what he's been able to do. And it's really, really impressive when you contextualize it with the style that he's playing, where Around Jokic, he's allowed to feast around the rim, but also Aaron Gordon is still taking threes, and and he did take some threes, made 34.7% during the regular season this past year, and then in the playoffs, up that to 39.1, because the threes that he took, he was very choosy, he was very picky when it came to actually taking those shots, and it was good to see Aaron Gordon kind of have some discipline there. He took the shots that he knew he could hit. He took the shots that... He didn't have to take the off the dribble ones, although he did take and make a bunch of off of, off the dribble threes, and was really really impressive when he did. Um, he won some games. He absolutely won some games for Denver when he did this, and it was really really impressive to see him put it all together in that game four against the Lakers, where twenty three or so points, uh, five threes made, and a lot of those with Anthony Davis covering him, where. Anthony Davis is giving him the entire length of the floor uh, away and and not really contesting those shots. Aaron Gordon has to take those shots in those situations, and he does. He absolutely made it work. Now, the defensive numbers, the steals and blocks numbers, are pretty muted for Aaron Gordon, and they kind of always have been. They always have been from the perspective of he isn't Anthony Davis as a rim protector, He isn't OG Ananobi as a guy who is going to get his hands in passing lanes. Those guys put up crooked stocks numbers, which is steals plus blocks. And a lot of that then masks the importance of having somebody like an Aaron Gordon who can prevent easy shots without actually blocking them or stealing the ball or doing anything super disruptive with his hands. If you just removed that from the equation, and just accounted for misses and everything that Gordon is doing from the perspective of uh, just bothering the opposing stars. The playoffs that he's just had were awesome 
They just don't really show up in the numbers. I mean, just look at it. 0.8 steals, 0.9 blocks. And he did have 8.6 rebounds, which is great. Or at least that's the per 100 possessions. Uh, But just think about it from the perspective of, man, per 100 possessions, he wasn't even that active. He wasn't even that involved. He was a role player. But that's okay. That's what the Nuggets needed him to become. They didn't need him to be the star that he was projected to be coming out of Arizona, where the Kawhi Leonard type, the physical, athletic, uh, off-the-dribble guy, he wanted to play more like Kawhi Leonard when he probably should have been playing like Sean Marion. And he found that ability, and he found that purpose in Denver. And it's just really cool to be able to see both player and team really match that up extremely well, because it's very rare for that to happen. And Gordon... I think his mind's been opened up by Jokic, by Denver's style of play, by Michael Malone, by Denver's culture. Uh, it's It's been opened up to the point where even if the numbers look the way that they do, that's okay because it's not about that. It's about winning championships. And uh, you just look at the shooting efficiency numbers as a result. The actual like usage rate during the regular season, it didn't go down. It actually has is up from the rest of his regular seasons. Now, it's not a career high, but the actual like points that he put up, 26.4 points per 100 possessions, that was a career high, which is insane. That is a, that is a career high for a player that doesn't have, like it wasn't a crooked usage rate or anything like that. And it's because Denver was like, they had him at the most efficient he has ever been. Look at those efficiency numbers in both the regular season and the playoffs. It's absurd. And that's what Aaron Gordon needed to be for Denver. He needed to be a high-efficiency, star-caliber role player. And I love it. I love seeing that from a guy like him because I knew that Denver needed Murray to be like the actual second star for Denver to be the best version of themselves. But it didn't preclude Aaron Gordon from having that level of impact. And he had had a justifiable impact from a... Um, from a value perspective in Denver in like the first half of the season for Denver, where Murray was a little bit slow out of the gate and Gordon really took over. He really shined in that stretch. Uh, him, like he, uh, he was just, he was fantastic. So really, really impressive stuff from him. Um, I'm very impressed with what Aaron Gordon is and what he's continuing to do. Um, when we come back, I'm going to compare five different players to Aaron Gordon and sort of ask the question on what's next what's the what's the next thing while also talking about the star contract because or the the uh not the star contract but the contract that he has left on his deal but first everybody this podcast as you know it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate it of course and Superbook they appreciate it too they know exactly what it takes to uh, bring you to their book because football is back. That's the sound. I know you hear it. It's now the place. It's now the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. They're the most trusted name in Vegas right now. And you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. All you got to do is download the Superbook Sports app, Use that promo code and you can get 250 bucks, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Don't miss out on this football season with some money from Superbook Sports and that promo code MILEHIGH. 
Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's get back to Aaron Gordon. And to do that, we've got to talk more about these numbers, but also I want to talk about this. Uh, The salary cap is something that not a lot of people want to talk about when it comes to players. Not a lot of people want to talk about when it comes to um, like building a championship team. But the books that Denver has right now are awesome. And the reason for that is because they've done a great job of lining up all these contracts to the point where you know exactly what you need from every specific player. Jokic being played like a star, uh, paid like a star. He's on that Supermax deal for these next five years, $47 million. Jamal Murray, 33.8. He's got basically the same number as Michael Porter, who's the only guy that you could probably argue is a little bit overpaid, but that is what it is. Like, it's not a big deal. Aaron Gordon is at $22.26 million for the next, uh, like he's, he's 22.6 or 22.36 for these next, uh, for this next year. And then $23.8 million for the year after that. And he's got a player option beyond that as well. I expect him to decline that because he's going to be very valuable. He's going to have a whole bunch of reason to basically say, I would, I'd prefer to make more money and I could definitely earn more money. Uh, and that's true. Like he absolutely should be going for that. So I would expect him to opt out at that point. But the point is, is that in a year where the salary cap is what it is, 136 million, luxury tax is 165. Aaron Gordon making this amount of money is perfectly reasonable. And there were a lot of folks that did not think that was the case, but the four-year, ninety-two million dollar deal that he he signed, it's uh, it's okay, <laughs> it's just fine. I, I'm not worried about it. I know that some people were. Uh, shout out to CT Fazio, who uh, who I think wanted to make sure that Zach Harper uh, was on the hook for this because Denver was not on the hook. They are they are perfectly happy with uh, with the guys that they have. Shout out to CT. I see you in the chat, my guy. Uh, Nuggets top four is a seamless fit, as you say, and I'm firmly with you. I think that most important thing for Denver is that everything about it has been seamless. And <laughs> it's good to see, good to see you, CT. Um, they are like it's just so easy. It's just so easy for Aaron Gordon to fit into this. And I remember very vividly on my Miami trip where I I was. Very lucky to go cover the finals. In between games three and four, you got to hear from each of the players on one of the media sessions. And it was asked, I think, by Vinny Benedetto. Are you like happy with your role, basically? Like you you don't do a whole bunch within the the flow of the offense. Or or like not not necessarily like that, but what he's asked to do from an offensive perspective is pretty simple. It's simplified. It's not as like it's not running pick and roll or anything like that. And he, without hesitation, said, I get to play the dunker. I get to do my, it's one of my, his favorite things on the floor. 
because he always gets to dunk. He always gets to be in a good position where he can succeed. And it was really, really cool to be able to see him have that perspective. Uh, Obviously, it turned into his most efficient season of his career. It nearly turned into an all-star appearance. I don't think that he's ever going to be an all-star with Denver. But there's at least a chance that if, I mean, who knows? Maybe Denver gets three all-stars at some point if they are like really clicking and on all cylinders. And and maybe people say, yeah, you absolutely deserve it. But I can also see Denver and specifically uh, Porter and Gordon kind of cannibalizing each other. And that's not really their fault. Like it's just the, the nature of the beast because each of those guys are awesome. And each of those guys are great. And they're probably each have a claim for being the third best player on the team. Porter's going to be the third leading scorer and does more on the offensive end. Gordon provides a very simplified value on the offensive end, but it's a very important value. And his defensive fit is really, really important. So good to see him being able to do that. Uh, But the fact that he's turning 28, Denver's got him for the rest of his prime. I'm not sure how his game is going to age. I think that that's one thing that should probably be discussed a little bit more. He's such a great athlete. He is such a great physical player that I'm at least a little bit concerned that the moment he loses some of that physicality, some of that athleticism, what is it going to look like? I am absolutely sure that Nikola Jokic will be able to prolong his career. That I'm not concerned about. Uh, But I want Aaron Gordon to be a a nugget for life. I I want him to be that level of player. The problem is that, let's say Denver, let's say he opts out of his deal. Now, let's say Denver has to give him a four-year, $120 million contract, which is $30 million a season. And that is for his, like this is his age 28 season. Next is his age 29 season. That would be for 30, 31, 32, and 33. When you start getting into that, it starts looking a little dicey, and that's at least something that Denver's going to have to think about down the road. Uh, but I will say is that he is like this is this is a perfectly reasonable thing for him. I think that he is in the right role, and asking him to do more would probably be the wrong thing for Denver. They should probably continue to try to bolster the group around Jokic and Murray as opposed to narrowing that focus and having guys like Gordon and Porter do much more. Uh, They had a really great formula this last year, and asking those guys to take on more of a burden, it tires them out in the regular season, tires them out in the playoffs. So, unfortunately, Vlatko just tore his ACL, and there's going to have to be some ramifications that come with that, too, from a Nuggets rotation perspective that I've talked about. One of those things could be being the second unit center. One of those things could be that. But I wanted to circle back before we get into that with some comparisons. Um, I didn't put this picture up here, but the five players that I think I would compare to Aaron Gordon are Andrew Wiggins, Pascal Siakam, Sean Marion, Horace Grant, and Rasheed Wallace. And the reason why I'm doing that, I think it's important, not necessarily from a... like. They're relative talent. Relative talent for sure. Those guys are all at a relative, like, at the peak of their powers. Very, very similar players. I think Sean Marion probably peaks as, and Rashid Wallace probably peak is higher than him. And Wiggins and Siakam, you could say at different points, peak higher than, than Aaron Gordon at this point. But with the role that Aaron Gordon just played and the role that each of those guys have played, 
the combination of those five players that I just compared to Aaron Gordon are that all six of them just won a championship. I'm comparing them to their championship seasons. And they didn't have to do a whole bunch. None of them did. The great thing for Pascal Siakam, for example, that was his third season. He has obviously grown into more of a first or second option or so. But the great thing for a guy like Siakam is that he he continued to grow. But at that point, he was able to kind of operate around Kawhi Leonard, around Kyrie, uh, Kyle Lowry and Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka and guys like that. Uh, Danny Green was on that team and was fantastic. Sean Marion, obviously... Didn't have to do a whole bunch of ball handling on the Dallas Mavericks. They dumped the ball into Dirk Nowitzki a lot of the time. They also had a rim protector in Tyson Chandler. And Sean Marion was the three who moved to the four in smaller ball lineups and showed off his his value as both a a small ball four and sometimes even as a, a prototypical small ball five. Horace Grant, same thing, where you go back all the way to the Jordan Bulls in 91 to 93. That's what Horace Grant is obviously known best for, and I think it's fair. Rasheed Wallace, back in the 2004 Pistons days, could have had an argument for best player on that team, but that's such a unique circumstance that I I don't want to compare too strongly to him. But the guy that I've talked about a lot is Andrew Wiggins, who, what he did for the Golden State Warriors back in the 2022 season, uh, a couple years ago, was super, super important. And his ability to step up in those moments was very, very important as well. Uh, he did it in a lot of different ways. He did it as a scorer. He did it as a rebounder. He did it as a defender and just looked the part of the player that they acquired and hoped that he would become when they exchanged him out for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I loved what the Warriors did with Andrew Wiggins and thought that that was a great proxy, like a recent proxy for what Aaron Gordon could become. And it absolutely happened that way because every single time the Nuggets needed a defender, Aaron Gordon was the guy. Every single time the Nuggets needed a guy who could attack the rim, Aaron Gordon was the guy. And he did it from his role player concept, uh, context, but not necessarily like it was was exactly what the Nuggets needed him to be. It fit in around the system that they had already created for Denver. It was Jokic, Murray, and, and Porter. And for the Warriors, it was Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And so you've got another guy that kind of fits perfectly into that. And suddenly you're really cooking with gas. So I loved it. I think that it made a lot of sense and the comparison makes a lot of sense. And Gordon, I think, has absolutely earned the right to uh, have that comparison, have all of those comparisons. It's kind of that third wheel, third or fourth wheel in some cases for uh, best player on a championship caliber team. It's he's not the best. He's not the second best. He's the third or the fourth, and he's good enough in those contexts, which automatically puts him as like a borderline top fifty player in the NBA right now, which is awesome. So, I think he's great. I think he's awesome and deserves a ton of credit for how he has stepped up. When we come back. We are going to talk about the best version of Aaron Gordon and whether that can even involve a defensive leap next season. Because if Aaron Gordon wants to be on a defensive team, like an all-defensive team, I think he's going to have to improve. Unfortunately, he's got a lot to compete with. So we're going to have to go through that. But first, let's go over 
uh, this new thing from Good Morning Broncos. Good Morning Broncos, 9 a.m. every single weekday. Obviously deserves a lot of credit. Cody Rourke does for the work that he's putting in on the MHS YouTube channel. Make sure to, if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel. Helps us out tremendously. And I think it's very, very important for uh, the MHS channel to have great contributions from Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies. And it's got some great Broncos coverage right now. So make sure to go check it out. All right, final segment here. Let us now discuss uh, next thing for Aaron Gordon. What can he do to become the best defensive player possible? He, in the playoffs, already did a lot of great things. I don't want to like diminish that at all. Stepping up and guarding Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns in the first round, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker in the second round, third round, LeBron James and Anthony Davis like doing great things against both of those guys. Like, think about it. How many times did you watch Anthony Davis score against Aaron Gordon? He didn't have to go up against him a ton, but Aaron Gordon did a great job when switching on to Anthony Davis, which is exactly what you want from him. Like, it's kind of Draymond-esque, in my opinion, what he was able to do uh, switching on to the big man and, and giving him help. He did the same thing with Towns, obviously. And then you could say the same thing about Jimmy and Bam. Like, he did a great job against Jimmy for the most part. And then when switching on to Bam Adebayo, how many times did Bam actually score? Like Very, very little. And you saw that in the versatility from Gordon. It's one of the main reasons why Denver acquired him in the first place. Being that athletic 3.5, 6'8", 240 pounds, athletic as hell, strong as hell. What he was able to accomplish for Denver's rotation was extremely, extremely important. It allowed Jeff Green to play the four as opposed to playing the five. It allowed Denver to go small, get better offensive players on the floor, rather than play DeAndre Jordan consistently on the second unit, or Zeke Nagy on the second unit, or Thomas Bryant on the second unit. Denver did some different things. And allowing or having Aaron Gordon was just a very, very important cheat code for Denver. Their second unit defense throughout the playoffs was awesome. And Aaron Gordon's the biggest reason for it. Now what he has to do, in my opinion, if he wants to be an all-defensive team kind of guy, is he's got to improve the stocks. He's got to improve the steals and blocks. Because those are the most visible numbers when it comes to both like counting stats for people, where they're like, hey, wow, look at the impact that he had on the game. He had three steals and three blocks. That's incredible. So many people see that, and that is where their version of defense kind of... Uh, really resides. But it also does affect the metrics. And a lot of metrics do take into account steals and blocks. They take into account on-off net ratings. They take into account when a player is on the floor, what happens to the defense, what kind of things are occurring. Are there more shots at the rim? Are there fewer shots at the rim? Are there more threes? Are there fewer threes? What's the actual efficiencies there? Aaron Gordon's got to be an impact guy because he isn't really a steals and blocks, like like deflections kind of guy. That's not who he is. It's never been who he is. Just looking at his actual totals uh, when it comes to 
steals and blocks numbers that he's put up throughout his career. Steals, he has never in his career averaged more than 1.0 steals. Never. Now, 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks, what he did this last year, it's actually pretty good. It is, I think, the second highest combined steals and blocks per game that he's had in his entire career. But he's got to be better. If he wants to have an all-defensive team, if he wants to make that a goal of his, I don't know if that's what he wants. I got to imagine that he's really feeling it, though, because you think about what... um, like what actually gets teams going, what actually gets players going from an awards perspective. Like it would be really cool for him to make an all-star. But I think that Aaron Gordon is now kind of, he has that perspective of saying, if I was the best defensive player and was noticed as the best defensive player on a team like this, that would be pretty cool. That would be a pretty cool thing to, to be able to say to people. And I think he would take a lot of pride in that. And I think that winning this championship probably affected him in that way. So... Hopefully he can do that. I think he's got to average at least one steal and one block per game in order to get it done. The problem is they are competing against guys like Evan Mobley and Jaron Jackson, who both were in the uh, in the all defensive first team this last year. They are going to stay there for the end of, until the end of time. And those guys are centers that also that that start at power forward and they they do the hybrid defensive big kind of thing. I think for that reason. It would be nice if they just converted everything to front court, um, because you've got guys like Jared Allen and Joel Embiid and Brooke Lopez and guys like that that play next to some other big guys, and those guys also slide over to the five, and that can really, uh, really limit some uh, some actual all defensive spots for these guys. But like Evan Mobley, Jaron Jackson, Draymond, Giannis, OG Ananobi. Jada McDaniels, a lot of these guys are really, really good. And for Gordon to crack that list, I do think that Denver's got to have a number of things that have to happen. Denver's got to be a top 10 defense. That to me, I think is a prerequisite. Because if you don't see the impact from a individual, you've got to see it from a team. And you've got to see it when the individual's on the court for that team. And if Gordon is out there affecting the game in a positive way uh, from both a steals and blocks perspective, but also just the normal things that he does where he's cutting off different angles, where he's slowing down stars. If he's doing that during the regular season to the to the degree that he did during the playoffs, he has a great chance, a fantastic chance to make an all-defensive team and really capitalize on the momentum that he has. I don't know if it's going to happen because you've, you see a lot of these names like the Draymonds and the Jaron Jacksons and Giannis and guys like that. And it's just really hard to get into that group. Uh, He would have to have a lot of things break right, but I do think that it's possible. Maybe not probable, but definitely possible. Last thing here, Aaron Gordon has to continue to grow on the offensive end. And it's not just like expecting him to be like dunking more. Like he's not going to dunk more than what he did this last year. He basically averaged like two dunks a game and it was awesome. Like he just just doing great stuff off ball while uh while Jokic is really directing things. But I think that Gordon can continue to grow. I think that a couple of things that he can do are improving on the pick and roll as a role man, 
and continuing to get comfortable as an off-ball shooter. He's done a great job in both of those situations, and it's not something that he's going to be able to work on a ton during the, well, he could definitely work on being an off-ball shooter during the regular season. That's something that he's really striven for, something that he improved. And as I showed in the in the actual graphic, 39% from three during the playoffs, that wasn't by accident. He had been working towards that for his entire time in Denver. Like he he knew he had to be a great shooter and he delivered. It was awesome. But the most important thing he can do is keep being consistent with that and even up the volume with that because that's going to save his body. One of the things that really stands out about Gordon is how much of a physical toll he takes on his body with the way that he plays for Denver. He is a physical beast. He is battling on the offensive glass. He's cutting. He's finding opportunities to screen for other people, setting, uh, getting back cuts and duck-ins and dunking over people and on people. And most important thing with that is that it just takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort and a lot of physicality, and it's just draining in a lot of those contexts. So I think that Gordon is going to have to improve. He's going to have to get better in that regard for a lot of reasons. Most importantly, though, is that it can provide some longevity to his career. Uh, I think it's going to also diversify what Denver can do if he continues to grow on the offensive end. I mean, hell, if he handles the ball even better and continues to create for other people, continues to feel comfortable running some pick and roll as a ball handler, then maybe that even helps. But I'm not as worried about that. I think that he kind of is what he is for the most part on the offensive end. But a lot of times you'll see power forward types like Aaron Gordon transition from becoming the athletic version of themselves to becoming the skilled versions of themselves that can space the floor a little bit more later in their careers and take some physical toll off of their body. That to me, I think is very, very important. And if Gordon continues to prove that, then he will continue to do great things. I have no doubt. I believe in Gordon. I think he's great. I think what he has provided for Denver has been awesome. He's been exactly what they need. And they've got him for another two years at least before his player option is up. So hopefully they continue to keep the band back together. Hopefully there's no reason to break the band apart. That would be my my biggest perspective here. I, I want to see as long as Murray, Porter, Gordon, Jokic, as long as those guys can go, I'd love to see them go together. Because watching this group together was awesome, and it really just puts into perspective how good this team can be, and whether they can continue to grow or not, we'll just have to see. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Really appreciate the time, really appreciate the energy. Um, Obviously, the Wi-Fi on this one wasn't as great from a online streaming perspective so if you're watching on youtube thank you please hit the like button even if the the wi-fi wasn't great i am working to rectify as soon as possible but for everybody else thank you so much for tuning in i should have a guest for friday's episode so make sure to stick around friday night should have a fun one thank you so much for everybody for tuning in talk to you guys on friday